So, right, hello everyone and welcome to another week of Unplayable. This is Con and I'm joined by Dave O'Connor uh, and Joe Neeland. Cooper has joined us from airport on his way back to Ireland from the Philippines. He's been sipping champagne on his business class flight. Um, we have a few things to get stuck into. We're in the middle of the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs with one week to go before the Tour Championship at uh, East Lake. We've Patrick Reed doing Brandel Shambly for seven hundred and fifty million, um, and we have a PGA Tour players meeting with Tiger Woods involved. Um, but we just happened to speak a bit about you and Ferguson last week, and the fact that Joe, you caddied for him at the twenty fifteen U.S. Amateur in Chicago. Then he goes and wins for the second time this season. Joe, my question to you is: Given he missed the cut in an amateur event the week you caddied for him. And now he, now here he is being all the, these pros. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, it's it's clear that the uh, the tips I gave him that week just took six or seven years to uh, to bet in, you know, <laughs> to to bear the fruit. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way I see it anyway. Um, but no, yeah, delighted for you. Um, great, great victory, wire to wire as well. Uh, 61 uh, course record in the opening round, um, and held on to it for the for the full for the full week. Um, I think he had a bit of a like nervy sort of mid round uh, kind of time. I think Richard Mansell got got level with him around the turn nine ten, um, but he broke back and got his got his three shot lead uh, back. So. Yeah, really convincing performance to go wire to wire in any event like is is seriously impressive. Um, but on but on tour, it's um it's great to see. So yeah, second victory this year. Um, up to seventeenth in the race to Dubai. Um, and yeah, definitely definitely more to come. Um, no, delighted for him though. He's a he's a really sound chap. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see like you know with the. With the exemptions he's going to get with this um how he gets on and did you see uh enda kenny uh, presented the uh trophy to him as well did he yeah 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 highlight of his week i'm sure yeah 100 curious the, the week so when when you um when you carried from at the at the us am that's an expensive week for the likes of these guys i mean he's got to fly into chicago he had a few people with him he has to pay big dollars to to smoky joe neeland how how do you reckon he affords that? Like, would would an amateur body in Scotland have been backing him, or what way would that have worked? Yeah, I think so. I think at the time he was getting some sort of funding from um, Scotland Golf, um, whatever his kind of um, local union was there. But yeah, like as you said, like do you remember his brother was there as well with him? Um, so like you know, accommodation for the two of them. And um, you know, you know, spending the millions on the caddy as well. Obviously, that's a big, big expense. Uh, well worth it though. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like as in, just just all the all the different costs that go into it. And Chicago's not a not a cheap place where where he's going. And and I'm sure that was probably one of many international events that he went to that year. But I think that's the structure for these guys. They get they make the panels. They you know they they get the funding. And you know later that year he kind of. He um, proved it was worth it by making um, and uh, he actually, I think he came, he, he fell just outside, he was first sub, but then a guy dropped out last minute mm. and, he, and he got onto the team. So um, he, and that was a winning team, wasn't it, in 2015? I'm pretty 2015, sure. 2015, yeah, sure. I think it was. And it, it was the one that had five of the Irish guys involved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Ewan chipped in, I think, to win his match on in singles in the final day as well. Um, so, so yeah, like, it, it just shows he was, you know, they were right to, to pick him. Um, 
uh, for, for these events. I'm pretty sure he was getting that funded. But, you know, that's seven years ago for him to just get his first victory, you know, February this year and now get a second. Just shows you it takes time. But, you know, once they once they come, they can become um, a lot a lot easier. So, uh, no, it's, it's great. Great to see it. Yeah, it, it is a, a an interesting one in that, like you say, that week back in 2015, he was first subbed for the uh, Walker Cup team. So he wasn't like top amateur protege coming through. Uh, and you had like that week, Paul Dunn, a few of the lads. Um, no, I, can't, I can't remember everyone who was on the, the, the team that week, but, but Ewan seems to be one of the hottest players from that team now. Um, with Dave, he cruised home at a largely forgettable golf course in Galgorm, I would say. You try to team me up for uh, let's bring all Irish events back to links again. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. Um, it should always be on a links, but yeah, it's, it was it was a somewhat forgettable event across the board. I would say I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it, but I'm not too disappointed by that. It's uh, yeah, I don't know why Galgorm in particular is getting uh, getting so many of these events. Like it's, it's had an Irish Open the last couple of years as well. It must be. I I know that the hotel and the facilities up there are top class, so it's obviously got something to do with that but as a man who played truly golf course last saturday uh i would say that somewhere like that would be a more than suitable venue for for one of these dp world tour events um infrastructure aside possibly but what a morning we had in truly last saturday not a breath of wind 20 degrees doesn't get much better yeah pretty pretty insane um I think I think that's the point, though, isn't it? Oh, sorry, Cooper has raised a hand here. Oh, sorry, just for for context, Cooper is in Qatar Airport, surrounded by screaming babies. So, uh, we have to be careful when he wants to speak. Cooper, I give me off the intro as well. I didn't want to interrupt your your, your well written speech. Um, but no, um, just on that, Dave. I remember when me, uh, Con, and Smokey played Old Head. Um, however many years ago it was now, uh, I'd be chatting to uh, Greg Coleman who invited us down and he said the main reason it's actually not on courses like that is because it's quite dangerous. So like if you're on the back of the fourth green in Old Head, if you have spectators trying to get a good angle, like there, there could literally be deaths and there are some places in Tralee where it's similar enough. Um, it might also have to be an infrastructure thing because when you go to Tralee, you go to Tralee Town and then you go... 10 kilometers outside of Tralee to the middle of nowhere. It's, I guess, somewhere like Baltray, which has hosted Irish Opens, might have a, a better advantage at that with a full town beside it. But yeah, it's, um, I, I totally agree with you, Dave, on the, on the Lynx Golf. It needs to, um, I, don't, I don't know how, I, I think it might be the hotels and stuff that are ringing at home, but yeah, we need to, we need to see more golf, more, more Lynx Golf for these big profile events. Completely agree, but yeah, it just seems to be um, an infrastructure thing. I was watching something a couple of days ago, uh, a video on YouTube that was about Ross Penna, and it just looks incredible, but it doesn't seem like you'd ever get uh, a top event on a golf course like that. I remember chatting to Pat Ruddy a few years ago, who owns the European Club, and um, phenomenal golf course, but the roads leading out to it are just absolutely uh, abysmal. So there's, there's very little you can do in terms of trying to bring in a crowd. Um, Dave, there was also the, the women's event attached and a very solid performance from Leona Maguire, top 10. Yeah, another, uh, another good top 10 for, Le for Leona um, in through the Rory door. Uh, disappointing 77 on Saturday to shoot herself right out of contention and then a nice final round again on Sunday with no pressure on her. So it's nice to see Leona uh, taken after her compatriot in the the worst possible way. Um, I I would really like to see her. You know, I really like to see her shoot herself into contention on a Saturday. That'd be great. Um, like uh, rounds in the seventies in these events are just not going to get it done for you, particularly on these golf courses where birdies aren't exactly at a premium. Um, so. Like a 77 on Gal Gorm on Saturday is 
is horrendous. Like it's 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 five six shots off the average score. Um, so I would think that Leona and I did actually hear her interview on news talk on Sunday afternoon. She was quite disappointed, and she did say that she uh, she was looking forward to a couple of weeks off before she heads back to the states to the the final LPGA swing. So hopefully, hopefully she might um, reinvent herself into 2014 Rory McIlroy instead of the last five, six years of Rory um, throughout the autumn stretch on the LPGA. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I think um, she's guilty of that until proven otherwise. She needs to put herself in contention, as we said last week. Um, just to uh, finish up on the on the men's side, there was a couple of other Irish lads involved. <clears throat> Tom McGibbon got top 10, which is great to see. David Carey, um, 34th which was, was good as well, and a few other lads. It was, it was funny, there was like a cut after three rounds. So the likes of Paul Dunn made the cut after two rounds, but then didn't make it through to the last day, um, which seemed unusual. I wonder, was that to do with the fact there was the ladies' event going on as well? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. They do that, they do that sometimes on the PGA Tour as well. If, uh, if the field that makes it through to the weekend, you know, there were sometimes it'd be 70 in ties, but, you know, close to... 85 90 might make it they do have that kind of three round cut which doesn't go down as a as a missed cut you, and you and you get paid it's just you, you stay in the same position you were at the end of the third round it's kind of i'd say it was probably uh it was probably just a an admin thing really with with, with both tournaments to get finished on the sunday yeah okay fair enough so did you see as well, just sorry to the last thing as well, um, Filippo Celli, the amateur that won the silver medal in the Open, got a top 10 um, up in up in Gallenberm. So he's, uh, I think he's only 24. He's definitely one to watch. Um, like very, very impressive to do that with the with the pros after getting the, and as well, like, do you know the way the silver medal obviously in the amateur sometimes is the guy that, the only guy that makes the weekend. I think there was four amateurs that made the cut in the Open. So he um he he had a great performance and my, and Maya Stark obviously who won the, the women's event she shot course record sixty three in the final day, so that was noteworthy. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, Italian golf producing some decent players. Was he wearing the Italian cap top again? He was wearing the. I think he was wearing. He had the blue version at the Open. I think he had the white one this time. Fantastic! Oh, you, they're they're the best. Huge fan of that. Huge fan of that. It, 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 that the the four amateurs making the weekend at St Andrews was notable for for that for that reason that there wouldn't normally be that many. But also it was a, it was an outstanding uh, an outstanding group of fashion fashionistas as well. You had you had Barkley Brown with his bucket hats as well, and yeah. then you had Mister 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 with his with his gorgeous Italian cap tops. So I was a huge huge fan of both of those lads. Huge fan, huge fan of any man. Who steps up on the first team at Andrews as an amateur with a bucket hat on and makes the cut? Yeah, huge fan. Quality. I uh, I I wear the big bucket hats over here in Australia, but that's purely to protect my my, my little head from the from the sun over here. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see Keelan Rafferty rock up St Andrews now soon enough as well as an amateur, and or whenever the next one is. Um, he's a, a an avid supporter of the bucket hat. Yeah. Class. Um, right, so we are in the midst of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Joe, Will's out of tourist surprised that it was his, uh, his his first win, but I suppose it's just, yeah, that's that's the way it is. He's obviously lost in the playoff at the PGA Championship and then losing by one shot at the US Open. Good to see Will's out of get over the line. Yeah, this like this guy feels like he's been around for a few years. Like he, he feels like he's been an established tour pro with a few few wins, you know, under his belt. But um, you know, it's easy to forget that burst onto the scene at the, the Masters twenty twenty one, finishing runner up there, getting you know coming coming some way close. But ah, uh, so good to see him win. Um, what a celebration as well on the eighteenth. It was unbelievable. Um, I didn't catch at first what he said, but um, I know I know after it came out. I think I think it was what are they going to say now or something. Oh really? Yeah. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it in relation to the critics of his pudding? 
basically. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And just I think general critics, full stop. I mean, I, I think his mentor, uh, Scott Fouquet, I think I'm not sure if I'm mm. that name well, was on an absolute rampage on Twitter on the evening as this was going on. He was basically calling out uh, anyone who had ever said anything derogatory towards Zalatoris, including um, Azinger, who was on air at the time. Actually, I think it was Justin Thomas yesterday. Uh, said that he possibly should have shown a bit more class under the circumstances, but clearly uh, Zalatoris and his and his team have been paying attention to the likes of us um, talking about his putting stroke. But I did think it was a bit premature. I mean, all's well that ends well. But I mean, at the time, there was no guarantee that that wasn't going to end up in another second place. And what they were going to say was, will Zalatoris finish the second again? So uh, ballsy move at the time, I would have thought. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Ballsy, but I think it's just uh, nearly a confidence thing for himself. He's literally saying, yeah, lads, this is um, whether or not it's for the win. Um, I couldn't have done much more. So he's, yeah, I know, he's a phenomenal player. Um, he also got an <clears throat> encouragement from Steph Curry uh, during the week. Uh, they were engaging on Twitter around it as well. So, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, for, for a guy that is supposedly a bad putter. Like we've all acknowledged, you know, from inside, from inside five feet, he is, you know, uh, worrying at best with that stroke. But um, it's ironic that he holds, you know, three puts from outside seven, eight feet in a row to, you know, make the playoff, extend the playoff, and then obviously roll it in um, at the end. But uh, it was, the tournament went from, a bit of a snooze fest on the Friday, Saturday to an incredibly good Sunday night um, finish. And especially that really culminated in that like couple of minutes of, um, I, I don't know what you call it from Zalatoris, but the fact that he was contemplating taking that pitch when his ball was resting literally again, there was no gap between the ball and the, and the, the rough. So for him to take the drop there, I think that was that was um, eventually it was the right decision. Um, but I thought it was really entertaining, and you know he relied, you know he relied on his up and down from from ninety yards. You know he, he knew he'd make the putt, so it shows that he did have confidence himself in his putting. Yeah, that was that was astonishing there for a couple of minutes when he he seemed to be contemplating it, and and the caddy seemed to be the one who won over in the end. And, and remember, it's the it's a new caddy on the bagger, or, you know, new as of two weeks ago. So you know, you gotta you gotta say that that decision has paid off. We have actually spoken. Uh, you guys will know, obviously, but people who listen won't. We've spoken about maybe introducing a, a John Vandeveld Award of the Week um, for the biggest bottle of the week. And I think if you were to compare that to anything, it was Vandeveld's uh getting into the getting into the Barry Byrne. Um but thankfully the inaugural John Vanderbilt Award won't have to be awarded to, to Will Zalatoris because he did eventually make the correct decision. But I did think the playoff was we spoke about this um the Canadian Open that Rory won a few weeks ago when Liv kind of you know really kicked off and, and people had people had moved away and the first kind of defectors had had happened that week and how it was really what the PJ Tour needed. I think it was a really, really uh, like entertaining finish to an event just when the PJ Tour needed it again because obviously there was so much live talk last week and over the weekend, etc. So I think that was really important. But I thought that I thought the standard of golf in the playoff itself left a little bit to be desired. I mean, Straka Straka could have could have been in the hazard on eighteen twice um, uh, to follow after Zalatoris's ball somehow managed to stay in on that wall in the first instance. Now, obviously, it essentially ended up in the hazard, but to follow him into the hazard was uh, was was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, and even Zalatoris to miss that flag right with the tee shot in the first instance. Um, like, I think they were, they, were, they were trying to hand it to each other, I thought, but uh, like obviously Zalatoris' sense prevailed in terms of going back to the drop zone. And then, as you said, Joe, to get up and down from 90 yards, even though the pressure wasn't quite on him because Strack had hit in the back bunker was was very impressive under the circumstances, it has to be said. Yeah, especially with the, the shaky Stevens putting, putting stroke. Um, is there something here, just sorry, Con, on the, like, uh, we, we kind of touched on a few weeks ago in terms of caddies, and I know he's only a newbie on the bag and maybe he's uh, uh, not as kind of, I guess, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but he was he was able to talk to him properly or 
whatever relationship mm-hmm. they have and say, listen, let's take a step back here and have a proper think about this. You're the, you're the emotional one. Let me be the one that kind of guides you through this process. Because um, he was, he, I didn't watch it live now, but it looked like he was actually really considering hitting the shot. Um, like, it just, again, depending on the player, each to their own, depending on what they need. But um, in terms of the value of a caddy, I think uh, Zalatoris owes his first his first PGA Tour win to having a, a really good guy on the bag at the time. 100%. Sorry, Con. I was just going to say there was another moment as well on 18 in regulation play that Zalatoris was in the right-hand trees. Sorry, it was the first playoff hole. Um, and he was in the right-hand trees and he was contemplating hitting the cut at the water back towards the green. Um, you know, you know, if he doesn't get enough cut there, he's gone. So I think the caddy definitely had a word there with him to talk him out of it as well. So um, definitely, definitely shows uh, uh, Zalatoris is uh, is liable to make a few rash decisions. I think from from that, but he's got the right man in the bag. I think now. So you need a certain element of that um, outrageous self belief and confidence though in those types of scenarios where. Like the pressure's on, but you still feel you can pull off a shot like that. So oh, I think I think it's I think it's a good side for mentality of elite sports people like that. Sorry, Dave. It is. It isn't. I mean, he didn't need to neither those shots. He didn't need to take them on. I think it was actually it was was it not the second playoff hole, and Strachan already hit it in the water. So Strachan had taken a drop and was playing three, and Zalatoris uh, laid it, eventually laid it up out of the trees, and then similarly on the third playoff hole. You know, Strack was in the water, he'd already hit it into the back bunker. So I mean it was it was stupid to even be considering it. I mean, it doesn't matter how good a golfer you are, you gotta you gotta play the percentages. And I think I think, you know, that you have to give credit to the caddy because you know, Cooper, you said you didn't get a chance to watch it because you were away. Like Zalatoris was one hundred percent considering hitting that shot off the rocks. And I think left of his own devices he would have. So I think, you know, you can say, you know, you can say what you like about self belief. Um, there has to come a point where you know the head has to rule the heart, and and you got to make the right choice. And and thankfully for him, the caddy stepped in and 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 did it for him. Yeah, it's where I get in trouble on my way to a a ninety two on the weekend. You know, it's 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 taking on those outrageous shots where I find myself in the trees. But it's just pure self belief, though. Um, but Dave, you called Matt Fitz solid top five. Yeah, we're solid top five. I mean, continuing is his brilliant form all summer um it actually was a it was a strange week because i think he led i think he led uh strokes getting t to green and also led in scrambling um so i think he and and it seemed like every shot they showed of him over the weekend he was getting up and down and so i think it kind of shows that you know he's he's adding a lot to his game and on weeks when you know the iron play clearly wasn't quite there because he was he was missing some of the greens and having to get up and down so much he was still able to to get out of the, get out of dodge with the top five, so he's still well in contention for the for the FedEx going forward into next week and the week after, um, and obviously you know very nice to to get a to get a place and, and a few quid from the bookies. You know, Josh's not the only man who can who could pick a golfer on this pod. Uh, speaking of going into next week, it was a little bit of a um, well, definitely a, a poor week for Seamus Power missing the cut. He's outside the top 30. Shane is outside the top 30. I think they're 36 and 37, respectively. Uh, Rory missed uh, the cut as well. Probably less important. He's still inside the top 10. Joe, huge week for the two boys, though. Lowry and Power looking to make their first tour championship. Yeah, I think they're, they're playing together as well. Yeah, that's um, so nice week, Which is, I think that'll be a good thing for both of them. Um, uh, I think they enjoy playing together at the Irish Open as well. They seem to, on the 18th, that time when, when Shane made that birdie, put made four birdies in a row at the finish, you could see there was a bit of camaraderie between them. Um, I think they played boys golf, you know, interpros, that kind of that kind of thing to get our home internationals. So a um, bit of experience, but they're in a precarious enough position because I was looking at this and they're obviously, as you said, Con 36, 37, only two players have played their way in outside the top 30 in the last two years uh, into the tour championships so you know if they're going to be those two guys they're going to need uh, a good week um but i think you you know i, w- I wouldn't put a pass them to do it um it's a long course um 
it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see how they get on but um given given the year the chains had in particular it would be i don't know it, it would be wrong from not to not to make the, the tour championship um so yeah hope for the best of them yeah but before we get stuck into the previewing the week ahead i think um a couple of things that we we have to touch on um firstly the news emerged over the last couple of days that that patrick reed is suing randall shamley and the golf channel for a cool 750 million um reading a little bit about this whoever's representing patrick reed said the the complaint also takes objection to shamley's remarks that that reed would have no problem playing golf for stalin hitler mao paul pot and vladimir putin dave i think it just shows that <laughs> these guys in a public setting might have to be a bit careful with what they say yeah and with that in mind i probably should say no comment here but i don't know if i'll be able to contain myself i mean it, it does say a lot about the it does say a lot about the game of golf at the moment that uh, the second most important lawsuit that's currently ongoing is Patrick Reed versus Randall Shamley. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to. I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to know who thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, I think Reed has. Reed has obviously made some some howlers over the years, um, but I, I thought you would think that there must be someone advising them. Think, I mean, the the there's there's no way there's no way he's going to win this i mean part of the part of the defamation case and one of the things i think they've called it in the lawsuit was was shamley's comments and he actually he, he issued a a stand-down order to shamley at the time as well was was when he improved his lie in the bunker um a couple of years ago in bermuda i mean that's that that you just video evidence of that i mean that that happened it's not it, i i'm not a solicitor i'm not a legal expert but I don't know if you can defame someone with this video evidence of what was happening. And similarly in Pebble Beach a couple of years ago, when his ball bounced in the rough and he took relief from a plug lie. I mean, again, there is video evidence of that. Um, apparently the solicitor that or the, the attorney that Reed has hired is notorious for taking these kind of speculative cases and he loses the majority of them. So I'm going to say firmly that I think that Chamley doesn't have much to be worried about. Um, but it is an amazing turn of events, uh, and also, like I mean, I I saw you know excerpts of this lawsuit, um, you know that this has caused Patrick Reed to be, uh, basically terminated from the PGA Tour. Uh, I think that was more to do with the fact that he joined Live. To be honest, uh, I think um, that is fairly <laughs> out for public record. And I thought he was one of the ones that resigned, actually. Um, to be honest, so I just can't see how. I can't see how this is going to go in Mr. Reed's favour, but it is good of him to, you know, kind of take a bit of flack off Graham McDowell. Graham's finally took a step back from making a show of himself in front of the world, and now Patrick Reed's kind of stepping up to the plate as only Captain America can. Yeah, I, th I think there's actually a bit of a, you know, race to the bottom with these guys. It's like a, it's like a reverse pip award or something. <laughs> like, you know, you have... You have Phil coming out at the start, you know, with his outrageous accusations and statements. Then you have, I mean, you have Norman throughout. Um, then you have GMAC, as you said, Dave. Then you have Henrik. And now Patrick Reed stepping in, you know, to, to try and take the prize. So you'd wonder if there's some sort of, you know, prize from Liv for uh, for the guy that can finish last. And, you know, it's, it's almost as if these guys aren't actually that good good they're they're not really actually nice fellas and that's why they're going to to play for live i mean it, it is almost like that i mean who could have predicted that patrick reed would turn out like this i mean all to the years i mean it was there was you know there was no warning signs i mean that's what i like that's that's what's astonishing me about this but i think that's also why we obviously touched on this last week and before i think that's why uh cam smith leaving would probably be a bit of a blow because he does seem to be an all-around good guy and but well, we probably actually should have touched upon his 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 ruling at the weekend as well and uh he he, he accepted that two-shot penalty under you know not wonderful circumstances and he, he accepted it like a champ and moved on um so i think that's he's kind of he seems to be a step above these guys which is what makes it so disappointing that he's he's potentially going to live 
Cooper, you uh, have something to jump in with there. Cam Smith uh, jumping over. Um, we can't let this fucking Larry Clayman lad away with it. Like, this fella is... I think someone said a weapon earlier on. He's a weapon of mass destruction. Um, he's only, in only February, he was, um, he was actually in support of Shambly, um, saying that anyone that goes to live is a so-and-so that I shouldn't say out loud. Um, and, like, he was completely against Liv. And it's only in the last few weeks that he's obviously buddied up with Reed that he's taken a complete U-turn. And it's one of those scenarios where um, uh, there's always a tweet for it. So you can go back and look at his tweets from Feb 2020 when he's absolutely destroying Liv and he obviously forgot to delete them or someone just had them on record. But he's a, he's a wheeler dealer. He was trying to get Obama deported in 2012. He's been consistently far right against the Clintons since the 90s. He has his own firm for like literally just taking stupid cases like this for rich people who want to uh, sue someone for defamation or whatever the case is. Like he's a complete nonce. That's um, <laughs> not a word to describe him with. But he uh, blend, blends in beautifully with Patrick Reed's people, character. Yeah, Larry Clayman, the Reed's lawyer. So yeah, it's uh, they, they're a match made in heaven. Um, but yeah, it's um, as you said, lads. He's, he's not going to win it. Um, it's I think there was actually one part of it in the. It's either in this de- case or another one where they actually said um, uh, the PJ Tour were destroying the fan experience at tournaments like the Barracuda Championships. Like that's in the <laughs> in the court filing. So like they they're cling, clutching at straws here, and it's just it's so entertaining to watch. But at the same time, as you said, Dave, the fact that. 750 fucking lawsuit against Golf Channel and Brandon. Yeah. It's, and um, I guess, the, the shit going on in golf. It's awful. It's it's the wife. It's this one, um, Justine, uh, Patrick Reed's wife. She's pulling a screen <laughs> behind her. Behind like, um, isn't it her who's who set up that false Twitter account that she just goes and, and, and trolls people on? On Twitter, allegedly, allegedly, we should say allegedly. it is. It it does appear, and all reports suggest this. Or she's also the one that apparently, allegedly, uh, caused uh, caused him to fall, to fall out with his parents and, and got them yeah got them kicked out got them kicked out of Augusta for trying to support him. And um, but obviously, there's a there's a, there's a huge uh, there's a huge backstory to to read, and and like you know, we probably don't have time to get into it, but. I remember reading Shane Ryan's book, uh, Chasing the Tiger, and you know, kind of outlines uh, a lot of Reed's, uh, you know, previous transgressions, let's say, in college and his relationship with his family, sub- subsequent to to getting married to this uh, this wonderful lady who uh, who apparently runs the Twitter account. Um, she uh, she could be the driver. She could be the driver behind this, but you know, we couldn't be we couldn't be saying that with any great uh, confidence. Yeah. Let's say it's all conjecture. Yeah. You uh, you knew as well when he burst onto the scene. Was it he won Doral in uh, in the World Golf Championship um 2016, which was also mentioned in uh, in the lawsuit that was filed, um that put him up there apparently with Tiger um as one of the greats because he was the youngest to win in a World Golf Championship. But was it uh, at the back of the 18th green that day? Speaking of Roger Maltby, um and I think it was something to the effect of how do you feel, Patrick and he was like, well, I feel like I'm a top five player in the world now. And he was, you know, high, whether he's in the top 100, I'm not sure. But um, that kind of set the tone for the for the guy that's that's kind of we've experienced over the last few years. Wearing the red and black on a Sunday, it's sacrilegious copying Tiger. Like, who, who do you think he is? Um, as you said, Dave, though, there's such a there's such a backstory around Patrick Reed, and it's obviously golf's biggest villain and um, there's simply no surprise here obviously we don't know how the, the, the whole court case is going to play out but um, since day one since he's burst on the scene more and more stuff has emerged about Patrick Reid over the years I'll never forget I, I was at the President's Cup in 2019 in Royal Melbourne and Patrick Reid's caddy got kicked out for boxing a fan um, and I I was watching them a couple of holes earlier, and like the, the caddy was just going mad. It doesn't seem like he's going to. That's, very- 
and surrounding that's yourself. brother-in-law as well that's 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 your one there you go so i mean it's 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 an incestuous mess of nonsense um, and you know good riddance good riddance patrick reed off off of the live boys Good riddance indeed. Um, so the PGA Tour had a players meeting yesterday. I don't know what, 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 what days. Um, Tiger flew down into, into Delaware where the second FedEx Cup playoff event is on this week to meet with some of the top players on tour in what seems to just be a, a mission to unite and rally against Liv. Um, Joe, obviously, they're they're taking the whole live situation very seriously. Um, according to ESPN, the objective of this meeting was to come up with ways to strengthen the PGA Tour as it goes head to head with Live. Um, it seems like it was just top twenty players in the world, the likes of Rory, JT, Spieth, and um, not much has emerged in terms of details. So we can only speculate as to what they were talking about, but but certainly interesting nonetheless. Yeah, you'd love to be a fly on the wall um, for the conversation that was going on in there. Um, I wonder, was it conversation or was it just panic? Um, you know, what do we what do we do here? Um, but it was, yeah, like you could see it. It was plastered all over Twitter last night. Um, Tiger, the video of Tiger just literally getting out of a plane and getting uh, walking, you know, twenty yards and getting into a car. Um, it just shows the you know the attention this guy grabs um and obviously ricky just trailing behind him um which it's funny it's a funny one as well tiger seems to insist on driving every time um that he that he hops into a car but uh yeah what i thought was like just there's very there's very light details as you've said um from from the meeting like i think mcroy said that all the top players are in agreement and alignment and where they should go going forward um but i mean that could be that could be anything and yeah. um, there was i suppose what was interesting was that cam young apparently attended the meeting and so did joaquin neiman so two guys two young guys to you know that big pj tour prospects and um, current obviously current um uh, phenomenal players but um that have been linked to live so that was interesting that they attended as well a disappointing lack of leaks from the meeting i would say mm -hmm. i mean you know i was kind of hoping it'd be a bit like an irish cabinet meeting uh during the pandemic where you would know what decisions have been made by by going onto twitter before long before anything was officially announced um i suppose if i was to be a conspiracy theorist about it all um i just wonder how badly injured cam smith's hip is because if i was cam smith i certainly wouldn't want to be invited to a meeting with tiger woods um and sit there uh, having already basically defected to live um because he obviously would have been involved if it was you know if it was the top 20 players or whatever you know smith's number two in the world so you know they couldn't have excluded him he would have had to have been invited to it so i just wonder i just wonder how badly he was there's no way he was inside that room. I mean, like he has—he's not playing this week, so he's got this alleged hip injury. That's what I mean. Like, as in, I just wonder—I just wonder has he sussed out his FedEx Cup points and kind of thought to himself, "I can still, I can still rock up to East Lake in you know top five, top ten, irrespective of what happens this week, and I don't have to—I don't have to put myself in that in that awful position." Yeah, or, or someone has tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Calm." You're uh, you're out, mate. Like you're not playing in these events, and maybe Cam just being, a, as you said, he's, he kind of seems like a decent bloke, and um, that he has just said, yeah, I'm not going to play. Sorry, Cooper, you go. We've lost Cooper in Doha. And um, but yeah, the the Cam Smith one is definitely pretty interesting. And um, as I said, like. Yeah, there's. I would say someone has tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Cam, you're you're out. You're not playing this week." Um, and I don't know if any details will emerge. I doubt we'll see him next week in in East Lake either. No, I think I think we will. I I think he'll be in East Lake. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he wanted to be there this week for for this reason, possibly. Um, but I I think I think he wants to go. I think he wants to go to East Lake, and I think he wants to become 
world number one and he wants to win the FedEx Cup and then go and and like I mean he probably wants that for himself but I'm sure I'm sure Liv and Norma are pushing him in that direction because he can then walk into Liv the Open champion the players champion the FedEx Cup champion the world number one uh, and essentially the hottest commodity in golf so your point that uh, there is that it would have been the um specifically around this player meeting that the reason Cam Smith didn't play this week is that he just didn't want to go to that meeting. Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, we don't know what was said or what was kind of broadcast about it, but um yeah, I think I think Rory did make the point that uh that Tiger was the you know, still the alpha, but the, the PGA tour couldn't they couldn't sell Tiger anymore for what it was worth and, you know, as as much as Rory is a, a global name and, and a great golfer. Uh, he's not Tiger Woods, and nor nor are Justin Thomas or or Jordan Spieth or uh, Cam Smith for that for that measure. But um, I just think I just think that the, the lack of leaks is just very disappointing. I mean, I just I'd, I'd I'd love to know. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. Given the uh, the lack of leaks, we can only speculate as to the types of things that uh, would have possibly been discussed. But I was listening to Paul McGinley last week. He made a an interesting point that um, he feels one of the big things that Liv has got right is the guaranteed contracts. He says it gives Liv huge power over their players and that it's something that's common across all sports. Um, I was giving it some thought. Like It would obviously be a big change from how professional golf has been structured um, over the years, but I wonder is there a case of them trying to you know that they, they probably should keep up with the times like tiger has obviously said that you know if there's guaranteed money you would be no motivation to to dig it out in the dirt but is that really true like these guys are ultra competitive guys who who'd still want to win so like footballers for example are guaranteed contracts and yes you could argue that it's not a perfect world but but it does still work and um, Obviously, if you were to do guaranteed contracts for the PGA Tour, it would it would be tricky because you know how would you distribute the contracts? Is it based on your you know, your position in the FedEx Cup standings the previous season? Would they sign multi-year deals? Obviously, it's all speculation, but you can understand why a player would want security. Like you know, if if we remove the fact that these are multi-millionaires, which maybe we can't do, but what other industry? pays like purely commission you know like i work in sales for a technology company and my my compensation is based off i i have a base salary and then i have commission that if i close a deal uh whereas these guys are just like purely commission based which obviously lacks lacks the security um but i don't know like if the if the pga tour guaranteed money plus the potential to earn more depending on where you finish in a given week i think it does put them in a powerful position and it also gives security to a lot of the players um i don't know pure pure speculation but what 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 do you reckon i don't know i mean i can only assume mcginley was speaking on the chalk versus cheese podcast uh, or show because i mean it's golf it's not it's not football. I mean, I think this is we've we spoke about this with the F one before. I mean, it's 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 not comparable. Um and you know, like possibly this is what Liv have gotten right because it means that they have to play in their fourteen events next season. It means that they've obviously attracted some of these names across with guaranteed money. But like part of what makes golf great is that you have to go out there and earn it and you have to like it's not as if it's not as if these guys, you know, were doing this under false pretenses. I mean, this is this is what they signed up for. They're professional golfers. They have their endorsements. They have their, they have their manufacturing contracts, etc. But outside of that, I mean, you you gotta earn. You gotta earn anything else that you get. So I mean, I don't. I like what I can understand McGinley's point in terms of, in terms of like this is something that's worked well for Liv. Obviously, it has. I don't understand any comparisons to to football or or any other team based sport because I mean obviously we're not talking about that we're we're talking about golf where it's you know you're they are individual contractors that's always the way it's been and you know there is we've spoken about it before as well i mean outside of the top 200 in the world let's say you know there isn't a lot of security for these guys but that's always been the case and you know it's always been a driving factor for these people to to push on and to really you know 
achieve their best. And it's not as if that, they, you know, it's not as if that, you know, they're, they're not like being forced into it. You know, if, if it's not working out, I mean, the world is littered with stories of, you know, failed professional golfers who've gone on to do other things. I mean, it's not as if, it's not as if anyone held a gun to their head. And I mean, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, so I would say Richie Ramsey, you know, how much it means to someone who actually does eventually get over the line. So, I mean, I wouldn't be in favor of it, to be honest, on, on the PGA Tour or, or any of the other, you know, normal tours. But that's not to say that perhaps this is the kind of thing that was spoken about at that players meeting yesterday. And maybe this is what some of them want, but I, I just personally couldn't see how it would be a good thing for golf. Yeah, it's it's fraught with all sorts of difficulties as well. I think like con, like you were saying, like how do you divide that out? Like contracts, because like Rory McIlroy, what's he gonna draw compared to Tom Hoagie? Do you know, like whereas the guys could finish it at a relatively similar place in the FedEx Cup during the year um but yeah it definitely comes back to meritocracy and it comes down to like that jeopardy you know you need to hold that 10 footer to make the cut um you know to make the to make the top 125 in the fedex cup um there's definitely a line though as well because if you if you bring it back then as far as let's say the corn ferry tour they've increased this year i think the entrance fee for the corn ferry has gone from something like two thousand five hundred to seven thousand dollars which is just astronomical for these guys who are kind of the, the lower guys who are struggling. So they, they, they need to balance it out in some ways. I know that's not the contracts thing, but it, it definitely is not fair for, for, for those kind of guys. Um, but I don't know, I don't know how they do it because the other thing about live, we spoke about it last week as well, this, this whole guaranteed money contracts, and then you go and win a prize, but oh no, that money is taken from your advance payment of your contract i mean that just trivializes you know the whole thing um, aspect of winning which we know is already false and live but if they if they take a similar approach then sorry joe but have have Liv not come out and deny that that is the way these contracts are structured so you you're saying that like if phil mickelson's been guaranteed 100 million every time he wins an event and he wins four million it's rather it's just it's it's from his hundred million that he's he's kind of got up front, so he doesn't actually win anything extra. But Liv have come out and denied that. Yeah, I think I think you're right in the sense that for someone like Phil, it mightn't be the case, and I'd say it isn't. I'd say if Phil wins something, he's going to get it. But I would say for someone like Matt Jones, if he was paid a contract, I don't I don't know the details of what he's paid. I would say Liv would be like, here now, we've already given you this. So, like their attorney in court already said, uh, so if he's going to stand on that leg, surely there has to be some truth. There's no smoke without fire, I think, with it. So, um, yeah, Norman Norman denied it, but like it was it was spoken in court, you know. So unless their unless their attorney perjured himself, that is actually the that is actually the case, and not what Greg Norman said to Tucker Carlson. I yeah, I I um accept what you're saying and golf has always been a meritocracy and and but i i i think if there there would be a way that you could guarantee money to players that are the okay it's less important for your rory mcelroy's of the world but more important for your guys who are coming up it's their first year on tour like on a weekly basis these guys obviously have expenses like you know your caddies your travel whatever like it's probably depending on where you stay and all it's it's like a five grand minimum per week but um i think there's it's it's valid say if you get onto the bj tour that i don't know you're guaranteed like 70 grand a year that covers your expenses um i i'm not i'm not talking about structuring it in the same way mm-hmm. that that they were talking about structuring i'm just talking about kind of bare bones like a base salary type thing um, yeah and, and i i sorry i don't want to give any false um uh, Uh, kind of um, opinion here, but I, I think that, that it's more if you're talking about actual numbers that reflect prize, prize money. Um, but something, something like covering, covering costs is is that, that you could definitely get bored with something like that. Dave, I can't imagine you'd agree. Again, I just go back to I mean, there's nobody, there's nobody forcing anyone to do this. I mean, 
this is like this is a lot of this is a lot of people living out a lot of other people like our like our dreams uh, and you know i'm not really feeling terribly sorry for them because they have to pay for their own hotel and i mean let's face it it's not anyone who's making it onto the pj tour is not short of 70 grand let's say was the number that was bandied about there uh, to cover a few costs i mean if you've gotten to that level you know you are going to be reasonably comfortable financially you're going to have some sort of endorsement you're going to be backed i mean even if you look at just someone like paul dunn for example he's still being backed by the likes of uh, bank of ireland and, and possibly still kpmg like so he's still like that i i assume i mean i'm, I'm kind of speaking I'm kind of speaking out of turn here, I guess, but I assume that's covering some of his travel expenses and some of his expenses of traveling around tour. I mean, so like really, if you were to if you were to actually be, you know, feeling sorry for anyone, it would be the likes of the people playing on the Alps tour or playing on the Corn Ferry tour or even a, a step below that. I mean, I'm not you're you're not gonna get me you're not gonna get me um you're not gonna get me basically thinking that, you know. God help poor old Tom Hoagie. Um, you know, if Tom Hoagie wants a better lifestyle, he should either join, live, or learn how to put. Um, that would be my advice for, for Tom Hoagie. But yeah, yeah, I just, I, 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 I do entirely disagree. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for any of these lads, to be honest. Yeah, and look, I, I'm not feeling sorry for them either. Sorry for them either. It's, I'm, I'm a touch playing devil's advocate, but also saying that I, I this is something that I'm sure players would want. So I of course it is. Surprised it is. Emerge that this is what they would do, you know. Of course it is. I'd love my employer to give me an extra few quid to cover expenses every so often. I mean, I'm not like I mean, that. That's not disputed. But I mean, just because people want it doesn't mean it's the right thing. Yeah. Um. We. Sh I'm looking at the the time. We actually should move on and, and and look towards closing out. So we'll just do a bit of a preview of the the week ahead. So um, huge event this week it's the last chance to get inside that top 30 and make it to the tour championship at east lake um joe they're playing at Wil wilmington golf club i think it's a new course in its, its current form anyway you kind of no horses for courses um to go off this week no course history for anyone uh zalatoris top of the standings he's overtaken scotty sheffler at the top um yeah what are your what are your thoughts going in yeah, like you said, there's no real form, I don't think, to take from this because um, there's been no tour events. I, I think it's right that there's been no tour events ever held in Delaware. Um, so that, that's that's an interesting one as well. Um, but I think it was the Palmer Cup that was here in 2013 that JT played. Um, but there's been a whole redesign uh, since that. So even even he said it's it's changed a lot seven and a half thousand yards uh give or take so it's going to be a long one um so that kind of throws up a few names straight away um yeah like for me i think cam young i i know he's he's kind of knocking on the door there's there's also a lot of similarities there between himself and Zalatoris. obviously Zalatoris won rookie year last year cam young is you know probably going to win it this year seven top threes five top top uh, runner-ups and you know the tied most ever um on the pga tour which is exceptional um and also fired his caddy a few weeks ago so you know and and went to wake forest uh, university so there's there's the stars are aligned i'm sure he's gonna try and uh, cling on to his uh, many of those factors himself as well so i think cam young's definitely uh, a good a good bet this week um john ram showed uh some good form last week got a top five was leading in greens regulation but that putter is still running a bit cold for him um i, I don't know where he ranked but he was top top in greens regulation basically shot the worst possible score he could have um i think score an average score strokes gain putting for the year he's 63rd so for a guy that was you know serial top five ten five ten finisher um that kind of ranking on putting is just not gonna be sustainable so so it'll be interesting i think if he gets the putter going he could be a very dangerous man this this week as well dave uh i, I wouldn't disagree with with anything joe said there i mean i wish he'd get off the fence and make a pick but aside from that 
I would say that, you know, Cam Young and uh, John Ram both have have good chairs this week. And one thing that Joe just spoke about there was was the distance off the was the, the distance of the course and, and how length off the tee is going to be important. And I think Rory alluded to that in his press conference as well, said that this uh, this course is something that's going to suit him a lot more than Memphis did last week. So I'm going to go a little bit more left field, as I said, and I'm going to look at a bit of value. And someone that I backed earlier on today at 100 to 1 is Trey Mullinax, who was tied for fifth last year. He's a winner on tour. He's uh, he's on the bubble. He uh, I think he's 43rd in the FedEx Cup. Joe said he said there was only two that have played their way into the top 30. So I have Trey being the third man to play his way into the top 30 in the last two, three seasons. Yeah, he, he's a winner this summer, actually, not too far ago, the Barbasol, which got him into the Open. First appearance uh, in the Open Championship came out with a very respectable tied 21st so a man in very good form he's in the top 10 driving distance on tour he's previously led the tour in driving distance and he's top 30 stroke gains off the tee so to be honest when i was doing a bit of research about this i actually couldn't believe he was 100 to 1. uh he he's he really stood out to me as someone where there's a lot of value for 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 a, certainly for a place this week and um, i know it's a, it's obviously a like hugely strong field so Possibly not the same as the Barbasol, but who knows? Maybe he will be able to get himself over the line again. But I, I genuinely, I like all, like without being flippant at all, I think 100 to 1 is a huge price for him given the form he's in and, and, and the fact that the course would seem to suit length off the tee, something which he has in absolute spades. And if I was to go a little bit more, you know, towards the head of the market, as I said, Joe mentioned, Cam Young, John Ram, certainly possibilities. I mean, we've seen this before in terms of. People getting on a roll in the in the FedEx Cup before, so I would not be one bit surprised to see Zalatoris back up in contention once again. And um, he he just seemed like someone who needed to kind of just kick the door in, and then it would all kind of would all kind of come together for him. So I would say that if you're looking for a bit of value this week, Trey Mullinax absolutely 100% the way to go, 100 to one, and then possibly if you're just looking to to pick a winner, I would not be one bit surprised to see Will Zalatoris be right bang up there again some evening. Okay, so Trey and Will. Um, Trey and Will. Cooper. And Cooper might be. Cooper might be hey, dust. All right, guys. Oh, he's there. Enjoy. Hey, yeah, hanging on, hanging on. Um, no, Joe just rubbed it off me straight up. And uh, Cam Young is going to win this week. Absolutely guaranteed. It's basically in his backyard. Everything Joe said. Um, runners up all year. The only thing I might disagree with now is that he could actually be fit for rookie year. Um. Uh, but I'd, I'd hope he'll, he'll be able to hang on, and if he can get the win in this week, that'd be um, it'd be very cool. Um, two hours from from where he grew up. Okay, good call. Um, I am gonna go with Sun Jm. So he is second, second, and twelfth in his last three events. Um, he he's a machine. So the big man from South Korea. So I fancy I fancy Sun Jay. Just purely based off those results and and very little else, um, so we should probably bring it to a close, lads. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for your contributions, and we will keep an eye on Lowry and Power this week, especially. Hopefully, they can both get into into that top thirty. Seems quite unlikely. Um, also, actually, just before we do, I saw Mark Power made the, the cut at the U.S. Amateur. He was the only Irish guy in the field, 256-man field at the at the U.S. Amateur. Mark Power came tied for ninth um, in the stroke play, but I think he just got knocked out of the match play uh, in the first round. Yeah. Did um, you see uh, Michael Chorborneson, uh, the guy who finished fourth at the Travelers? Um, he uh, was one of the leading qualifiers, one of four leading qualifiers. So um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen how he's got on this evening now in his match. But um, yeah, he's were like ranked sixth in the world amateur golf rankings. So uh, and fourth at the Travelers came came ahead of players like Scheffler and Fina and Cantley. So um, he's another one definitely to watch. And just just seeing as we've mentioned amateur golf, uh, Quinton Carew won the Irish close today. Um, he only got in as a 64 qualifier in the stroke play on a count pack and won it on the 20th hole this evening in Hedford Golf Golf Club. I think he, 
I think it was Hugh Foley he beat in the final on the twentieth. Um, yeah, it was absolutely remarkable. He's a, he, he he was he was two hundred to one uh, at the beginning of the week, and he's also he's also a guard, so he will get to uh, he will get to strut into Castle Lock Guard Station in his sexy new guard outfit, uh, holding the Irish Close Championship this week. What a time for what a time to be Quinton Carew, and what a name as well. What a name. Where is he from? Like Quinton. Castle Knock Golf Club. So I mean, you know, obviously, obviously, parents had serious notions, but in fairness to him, he uh, he absolutely got it done this week. And and like, what a story! Sixty fourth of sixty four on account back to beat uh, Hugh Foley with an eagle on the twentieth hole this evening to win the Irish Close. And he was he was four down through nine as well in the final. Four down through nine. I mean, got it. You got it. You got to hand it to him. You got to hand it to him. And Hetford, uh, another non-links golf club uh, that they play. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you know, don't get me going. It's, you're, you're about, you're about to wrap up there. Don't get me going. Yeah, yeah, right, cool, right. We'll, we'll leave it there, lads. Uh, thank you all for joining us for another week of Unplayable. We will catch you next time.